Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality with an emphasis on BDSM, kink, and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this will be part three of our The Ethics of Porn conversation. I decided to break this up from the previous episode, which talked about whether or not I believe age verification is a good thing for consuming online porn, or porn in general, which I do. I wanted to break this out because it's a much different topic, and I believe it's a better standalone episode. Part of the intro will be very familiar because it's exactly what you just heard on the previous episode, but from that point on, it is a completely different episode. I do want to have a quick warning before this episode. This episode is going to talk about, among other things, the exploitation of children. And I know that for some of you, that's a very sensitive topic, and that's not something you want to hear about, or at least you want to be warned about before we talk about it. So in part of this discussion on the ethics of pornography, that will come up, and I wanted to let you know before we get into it. If that's too much or something you don't want to hear, don't worry, we'll see you next week when I talk to the amazing Ray Bannon. So every week, I invite you to send me your thoughts and concerns and questions and directions you want to see the podcast go. And a couple weeks ago, I received a letter from someone who is in the anti-child trafficking and exploitation business. And they were responding to a couple of episodes that they had watched. This letter arrived before the ethics and porn conversation number one. And it was part of what pushed me in that direction of things that I really wanted to address on this podcast, things that I thought were very important for you to understand about me as a creator, and hopefully that I can get out into the broader world as how we can create porn ethically and what that means. What does it mean to create ethical porn and what should we stay away from? What are things that are problematic in porn, for example? And on the last episode, we talked about violence in porn, you know, specifically the question, does watching violent pornography make people more violent in real life? And when I talked about that last time, I was very heavy on, no, I don't think that watching something violent makes you violent. I think that being violent makes you violent. And the media that you consume cannot be used as an excuse for violent behavior. And I definitely feel that way. I feel like just seeing something that's violent in pornography or in media in general is not going to cause somebody who would otherwise not be violent to become violent. And I think that that is a very important distinction to make. And we're going to talk quite a bit about that as we move into this much more thorny and difficult subject, speaking of child exploitation specifically. As I was saying in the beginning, a while ago I received a letter from someone that works in the anti-child trafficking industry. They were very clear that they wanted to remain anonymous and they didn't want any possible personal identification included in this. And of course I wouldn't do that. But I will paraphrase some of their questions because I think they're very valid questions and they come from a I want to learn more about this standpoint and in no way were they attacking questions. So the person that wrote had stumbled across the podcast and had started listening to it because, you know, their work has them in a related but unfortunately very difficult field when it comes to sex. And they travel the world trying to stop child sex trafficking. And I cannot applaud that enough. That work cannot be overvalued. You know, nobody wants to see kids getting hurt, especially in this way. Nobody wants to see kids being exploited in this way. I absolutely do not want to see kids getting exploited for sexual purposes. That's terrible. And 
I've known more than one person that works in this field. I have a friend that was a police officer, and part of his work was online sex crime. And he found it truly exhausting and dispiriting because what these people have to go through in the course of their work is horrifying. You know, they have to see these images. They have to see these videos. Sometimes they have to study these videos to find clues about how to go after the perpetrators. And so, you know, again, my thanks to you, whoever sent this. Um, I really appreciate the work you're doing or anybody in this field. You know, the people that are trying to protect kids from sex trafficking and sexual abuse, you guys are really unsung heroes, and I salute you. I respect you as much as I possibly could respect anybody. So, that said, they wanted to know my perspective as a porn producer on how I thought pornography played into the potential abuse of children. And even though I received this letter before I talked about violence against women in porn, that was a separate letter that someone had sent me. They're very closely allied. And one of the questions they were asking was, when they end up catching a child sex predator, inevitably that person has child sexual abuse material, CSAM or child porn, right? They said that there was a one-to-one -one correlation, that they had never caught somebody who was an abuser that didn't have CSAM. And I will use that acronym going forward because obviously the common term for that is very upsetting. So to be a bit more clinical, we'll say CSAM. So their question was, do I think consumption of CSAM causes people to become abusers in real life? Is there a direct connection? That's a tough one. And I thought about it a lot, and I tried to do some research on this on my own. As you might imagine, this is an under-researched subject because of the nature of what's going on. For example, I didn't want to search for those terms in an internet browser. Because again, I don't want to see CSAM. I want to know, is there a direct correlation between consumption of CSAM and actual abuse? I was able to find some information. And I also read through their letter quite a bit. And one of the things that they were saying was, when we ask people, why did you do this? How did you get into this? They say, well, I started with regular porn and that led me into CSAM porn. That, to me at least, falls back on the previous episode I talked about where if there's not an inclination towards that, I don't believe you can be shunted into that. Let me try to explain that. If you're just a regular person walking around and you don't have any sexual affiliation with kids, I do not believe that seeing CSAM is going to suddenly turn you into a pedophile. Like, I don't think that's possible. And I do want to be very specific and a bit pedantic here in that I'm using pedophile, the clinical term, meaning that someone is sexually attracted to prepubescent people, children. I know that in the media lately, there's been a lot of this thrown around, and it's unfortunate, and here's why. When you say someone like Matt Gates, who has been known to date people that are 16 and 17 years old, he may be a scumbag, but that doesn't make him a pedophile. If the people that he's dating are sexually mature, by definition, he's not a pedophile. If they are sexually immature, if they're prepubescent, then sure, call him a pedophile. But I don't think he is a pedophile. I think he's a scumbag. 
but I don't think he's a pedophile. And I do want to draw that distinction, especially here, because we are talking about pedophiles and people that are trafficking and abusing prepubescent children, people that have not become sexually mature. So again, I'm, I'm sorry for all that. I know that it's gross. I know it's hard for some of you, but I do want to make that distinction. So if you're a person and you are not sexually attracted to children, seeing CSAM, seeing pornography of children is not going to make you a pedophile. It's going to disgust you. It's going to push you away. It's going to make you feel revulsion. So I do not believe that exposure to CSAM causes people to then become child predators. I think that what comes first is the pedophilia. I think that you have to be of that inclination first that causes you to seek out sexual depictions and that can lead to abuse. So no, I don't believe that CSAM, which I want to put forward, should not exist, period. There's no excuse for it. There's no reason for it to exist. But I'm saying that it in and of itself, I don't believe, causes people to abuse children. I think you have to have that inclination first. And where does that come from? Unfortunately, I think some people are simply born that way. I've said on this podcast many times that we don't choose what causes us to be sexually excited. And I do believe that. And I believe that in positive natures, like I don't believe anybody chooses to be homosexual, and unfortunately, it's also true in negative natures. I don't think people choose to be attracted to children. I think they just are. Now, unfortunately, there is no healthy outlet for someone who is attracted to children. I don't think they chose it, but I think it's their responsibility not to act on that impulse. And in a way, I do very much feel sorry for them because I do believe nobody chooses that inclination. But I have no sympathy for someone that takes that inclination and then abuses children. I want to make a quick insert here. In listening back to this episode, I realize that it's very clumsy of me to use homosexuality as an example of you are just born this way, you don't choose your orientation because of the fact that there's a lot of slander and the gay community is frequently attacked with charges of pedophilia. I'm talking about all of our sexual orientations, whether you like men, women, the things that excite you are the things that excite you. And the fact that I like a particular type of woman, that's the way that I was created. The way that you like your partners is the way you were created. And I just wanted to put that in there that I am sensitive to that and it was clumsy of me to use that as the example. But I have no sympathy for someone that takes that inclination and then abuses children. Because again, we're talking about prepubescent children. No one that is that young can consent to sex. Therefore, it is inherently abusive and it is an evil thing. It should never happen. Unfortunately, it does. And that's what we're talking about here. Both the actual abuse of kids and also the pornography created around that abuse, which when we're talking about the ethics of porn, honestly, this does not belong in that conversation because there is no question. Nobody is defending this. I have no tolerance for anybody that would defend creating child porn, even if it's digital child porn. I think that's also very dangerous. Animated child porn, I think, is very dangerous. We should not have that as a thing, but it does exist. So I can categorically say that it should not. It's unethical, and it does lead to the harm of children. I don't think it causes people to do anything. I think that people that have that inclination, 
will seek out CSAM. Now, as I said earlier, this person that I've been speaking to said that whenever they find somebody that's an actual child predator, they have CSAM in their possession. I'm not surprised by that. So the problem with that fact is we do not have a control group. I was married to a statistician uh, for 13 years. I'm not a statistician. I don't pretend to have an understanding of statistics nearly as strong as my ex-wife. But I did learn a lot about how to interpret this kind of data in that relationship. I know a bit more than the average Joe. And you always have to ask yourself the question, compared to what, right? So if we know that every child sex predator that this person has interacted with has had CSAM material, well, that seems like a one-to-one -one correlation, right? So obviously, there's a connection between possessing CSAM and abusing kids. And that's where we break down. Because what we don't have is the number of people that have CSAM and don't abuse kids. Now, I'm not in any way advocating or saying it's okay to have CSAM in your possession. Because kids are being abused and hurt in the production of this, there is no ethical way to possess it. And I honestly feel that way about even stuff like animated. And I know that there's a lot of very questionable sex-based anime that features what essentially are children. And again, it gets very tricky. You know it when you see it. I don't like it personally, and I do think that it is problematic when it comes to the ethics of porn. But in this case, we're talking about actual, you know, CSAM, where actual children were harmed in the making of it. You cannot ethically possess that. There's no way if you find it in the woods and you hold on to it you are still a bad person so you there's no ethical rationale for possessing it but i do believe we can say that there's a difference between possessing it and then acting on it and harming a child in real life and i don't know and i don't know if we can know the number of people who possess it but don't act on it and without that information we cannot say that possessing it causes it you understand what I'm saying? There would have to be a much higher correlation and we'd have to know a lot more about people who possess it but don't act. So I'm not ready to say that simply possessing it, viewing it, watching it, then causes people to act on that impulse. Again, I feel like in order to even want to have it, in order to want to watch it, you have to have the inclination. That inclination is pedophilia. That is an actual harmful sexual deviation where... For reasons completely outside of their control, certain people are attracted to prepubescent children. They can't help it, but they can choose not to act on it. That is the difference. So while they may not be able to control their innate desire, I believe they can control their outward action. And I do have sympathy for people that are born that way because there is no healthy outlet for their sexual energy. And that sucks. I'm not apologizing in any way for people that harm children. And if you know anything about my personal history, you'll know why. So, no, I don't believe that CSAM leads people to harm children. I think that it's part of the overall process. What leads people to harming children is the innate desire to be intimate with children. And along that path, somewhere is going to come them seeking out pornography that suits their tastes. So that's where I think there's that difference. Because, you know, I 
am a porn producer. I'm on porn websites all the time. Believe it or not, I don't watch that much porn personally. I used to watch a lot more before I started producing porn. And I can tell you, if someone has a porn addiction, a in real life porn addiction, forcing them to edit pornography for a few hundred hours might actually cure them of their porn addiction. Because I know that once I started producing porn, I didn't enjoy watching porn as much. It kind of took that enjoyment away from me. But maybe I'm an individual. Maybe that's just me. But I've seen lots of different kinds of porn, right? I'm exposed to a lot of different kinds of porn. And I seek out the porn that I find erotic, that I find attractive, that I fantasize about, or that appeals to me. I can say that I've never seen something that awakened a new understanding about me. Now, perhaps that's because I grew up before the internet. And in my early adolescent sexual fantasies, I was kind of on my own and I kind of made up my own fantasies and that codified who I was as a sexual person. So by the time that I discovered the internet and internet porn, I was searching for specific things, but I'm still exposed to new things all the time. So remember a while ago when squirting videos became super popular and I'm not in any way bashing people that like squirting videos. It's part of water sports, and some people absolutely love that. They find it deeply erotic and fun and sexy, and they love those videos. I don't. You know, they do not do anything for me. And I would avoid a video if it said squirting or water sports or whatever. And again, I'm not bashing you guys. If you're into that, that's totally cool. You have your sexual kinks built into you. So there's nothing wrong with you if you like that. Totally cool. I don't like it. That is also totally cool. I'm saying this because no amount of exposure to those videos was going to change the fact that I didn't like it. It didn't turn me on. It wasn't sexy to me. I didn't seek out more of it because when I saw it, you know, there's always little previews in the videos. When I saw that, it didn't turn me on, so I didn't pursue it. Part of this viewer's question was, did I feel like mainstream porn leads into age play porn and then age play porn might lead into CSAM porn, etc. The whole point of this conversation is, you know, essentially, do I believe that regular porn somehow down the line ends up with the harm of children? That's why this is all tied into the ethics of porn. As I've said, I really don't. I believe that you have your innate proclivities, you have your innate desires, you have your innate attractions. And to me, that's the kind of porn you're going to consume. So mainstream porn simply existing, I do not believe, creates a pipeline that somewhere down the line ends up in CSAM and the harm of children in real life. I just don't see that connection. I think that only someone that wants to see that type of porn is going to seek out that type of porn. And again, we can all agree that type of porn should not exist. But that's the conversation. And I feel like for most people, the same is going to be true of underage videos. I'm not attracted to prepubescent girls like that. There is no part of me that sees that and thinks, wow, that's sexy, just isn't there. So there's no reason why I would go search for underage girl or prepubescent girl or super, super young, that those search criteria, because it doesn't appeal to me. And if I see it, and I do see it all the time, that's something that I want to work into the latter part of this conversation. If you go on a porn site, you're going to see very young women. Hopefully they are of age. Hopefully wherever they produce that pornography, 
they do have some sort of age control and you can rely on the website hosting it to make sure that you aren't being exposed to underage porn. But I promise you, if you go on a porn site, there's a very high likelihood you're going to see an underage performer. That's just part of the business. There's a very good chance that one of the people on that screen that you see is underage and they are lying about it. They told the porn company that they were of age or they produce porn in a part of the world where people just don't care and that person may be 16 or 15. You know, again, that you have to be very careful and very discerning about the porn you choose to watch. And if the models look too young, honestly, I feel like it's on you to walk away from that video. If you choose to report it, that's probably not a bad thing. If they look really young, use that report feature because it's very likely they are too young. Now I know that a lot of adult porn stars have really traded on how young they look, going so far as to get elective braces to increase that youthful childlike appearance. So we're talking about women that are over 18, but they're very slender and they're very small and they're very petite. They don't have a lot of secondary sexual characteristics. They don't have, you know, wide hips. They don't have large breasts, etc. And they pass themselves off as very young. Part of this viewer's comment was, how do I feel about people portraying age play relationships, old young relationships, you know, big age gap, or portraying this person is barely legal type relationships in porn? That is a hard one for me because I have done that to an extent. Like all the models I've worked with are well above age. And I can tell you that none of the models I've worked with have their actual age displayed. All of them are older than they say they are. We'll just put it that way. Don't feel like you've been betrayed, folks. This is a very common porn thing. I am not the age that is portrayed on my website. But I've never skewed towards the, this is my stepdaughter type porn. I personally find that distasteful. I don't like that. I don't like any kind of step porn. I feel like that's a very lazy workaround to incest porn, which I also find distasteful. And so it's against the rules on most of these sites to say, I made a porn video with my sister, but it's perfectly okay to say, I made a porn video with my stepsister or my stepdaughter or my step aunt. And I've seen all these things. It's a kink for some people. That's okay. You know, that familiar taboo breaking kink. I'm okay with that. I just don't like the whole stepdaughter genre of porn where they have an older guy and they have a very young looking model and they are really trying to push that particular fantasy. Personally, I'm not attracted to that. It doesn't turn me on. And if the title says that, even though I know as a sophisticated porn consumer and producer that those people are not in any way actually related, I know that it's a title that sells. I was very tempted, not going to lie, I was very tempted to make that kind of video because I've had two models where I could have easily passed it off as a step whatever relationship. But I chose not to because, again, I do find that distasteful. Even if it got us more views, I would much rather say younger girlfriend than stepdaughter. So that's just me. That's my own personal choice. And I understand if you have no problem with that and it's just a taboo breaking thing. I get that. But I got to do me. You got to do you. So I don't like those videos. And I especially don't like those videos if the model looks especially young. Why? Morally... 
As long as I'm sure that the model is 18, I don't care. You know, personally, I don't find it attractive because, again, I'm built the way I'm built. You know, thin, petite women that don't have a lot of womanly features don't appeal to me sexually. So I, I have a natural inclination to not follow those videos. But I do have a bit of an ethical quandary because they are playing into that this person is of age, but they look like they're not of age. And I don't like that. You know, emotionally, personally, morally, I don't really like that style of porn. I cannot say it's unethical because people that are of age should be able to do whatever they want to do. I would say that for people that have the inclination to be sexually attracted to prepubescent partners, that kind of pornography might be an entryway that might be a step towards trying to find actual underage porn. Now, as I said, I don't think that actual underage porn causes people to become sex offenders in real life. However, I think some people may be more impressionable. Some people may not be as strong-willed. Some people may not be able to control their impulses as well as I can, for example, or you can, for example. And maybe seeing those stepdaughter videos pushes them into seeking out actual underage porn and perhaps down the road that leads them to trying to abuse an actual child. I don't think it's that much of a risk or it's that prevalent. Again, I think people have to have the inclination. I think that, you know, child sexual abuse existed millennia before pornography, right? So, there is no way to say pornography is causing people to harm children. People have been harming children way back. If you're a student of history, you know that in some cultures, it wasn't even really frowned upon to have child lovers. Now, obviously, and for very good reason, it is. But this has been a thing way before we had pornography. So I think it is wrongheaded to say that, you know, because there is such a thing as pornography and because it's available online, that is causing children to be harmed. I think that some people are attracted to children and that creates a risk for children. I don't think that the pornography that is created around that, even though it's abhorrent and should not exist, I don't think that causes, I just don't, I don't, I, I don't, and I know that I may be very wrong on that. I might be wrong. It's very possible that someone that has those proclivities, seeing it causes them to act on those proclivities. That is possible. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a dude. So I'm in no way excusing the existence of CSAM. I'm not defending people that hurt kids. I'm not saying it's okay in any way. I'm just trying to understand. I'm trying to answer this listener's question on how I see this pipeline. You know, one of the things they were specifically asking about was, does pornography lead to child porn, lead to child abuse? And I don't think so. You know, if you show me that stuff, it's not going to turn me on. And I'm sure as hell not going to start looking for it. I find it repulsive. I click away from it. Even when I know it's an adult that looks too young, I don't like it. So I don't think that being exposed to it necessarily causes people to become abusers. But I'm just one guy. There may be people for which seeing it does initiate 
a bad response. All the more reason for it not to exist. And I have no problem with people hunting down and destroying CSAM producers. So the person that's involved in this work, thank you very much. Uh, I really do respect you and I really appreciate the work you're doing to protect kids. So in wrapping things up, and I've talked with Katja quite a bit about this particular podcast, I've really been working on this one for several days, trying to make sure that I express myself properly and clearly. This is a very fraught subject, and I wanted to make sure that I was absolutely clear on my positions. One of her questions was, you know, why are we even talking about this? Everyone knows this is wrong. Everyone knows this shouldn't exist. How does this have to do with the ethics of porn? Coming back to my original point, the viewer's question was, do I believe that mainstream porn, especially age play related mainstream porn, somehow leads into CSAM? I don't think it does. I believe that there could be problematic elements. I believe that we need to be careful about how we depict age play specifically and very young models specifically. But even then, I don't believe that seeing that is going to cause somebody to want that. I believe wanting that is going to cause someone to seek it out and therefore end up with CSAM and possibly the harm of children. One of the things that I think is really important, and this might be the most problematic thing that I'm going to talk about, we have so demonized and so vilified pedophilia that I believe we're preventing people from seeking treatment. So... I'm not in any way saying it's okay or a good thing or a harmless thing because I don't think it is. But we have conversations like, oh, this person's an axe murderer, but at least they're not a pedophile. And I believe that kind of attitude towards this particular mental illness is preventing people who may feel these urges and have never harmed anyone from seeking treatment. I think that it may prevent someone from going to seek help before they ever harm somebody, because it is something that is so vilified in our society. And I'm not saying it's wrong to vilify it. I am a childhood sexual abuse survivor. I don't really like survivor, but it happened to me. I understand this particular problem very clearly. I don't want to see anybody else be harmed. I want people that have this innate desire to seek treatment. And I think by encouraging that, by removing some of the vilification. Vilification should be safe for people that actively harm children. If you want to demonize an actual childhood sexual predator, go for it. But many people, I believe, exist in this condition that have never harmed anyone, but are not seeking treatment for this because there is so much demonization. So in my very small way, I want to put it out there that If you're somebody or you know somebody that has these innate feelings, get help. Seek help. Find a professional that can help you with that. I think that seeking that kind of treatment might prevent childhood abuse. That might keep some kid from getting hurt. You know, if one person seeks help for this issue instead of acting on their desires, that would be a huge victory. If even one person. So... Let's have a little bit of sympathy for someone that has the condition. No sympathy for someone that harms children, right? I don't in any way condone harming children, but I do encourage someone that has those feelings to seek help. 
And that's really the crux of what I want to put out there. I want to answer the question of, do I believe that mainstream porn leads into CSAM? I don't think it does. But I do want people that have these desires, these innate desires, I want them to seek help. I want us to try and be supportive of mental health treatment for these kinds of disabilities, these kind of mental problems. Okay. I've gone on for quite a bit on just these first couple questions, and the person that wrote me this email had a lot of really good questions. I don't want to gloss over those, so I will include them in the next episode of this conversation. It will not continue next week, because as I said, next week I'm going to release the latest interview I did with Race Bannon, which is a much more relaxed conversation on male sexuality, male friendships, and the way that society creates kind of stunted men, men that aren't able to express the full range of their emotions and their sexuality. I think that you guys will enjoy that conversation quite a bit. I know that I learned a lot, like every time I do when I speak to race. I will pick up this topic again and address more of this viewer's questions because they really are important. And I want to make sure that I give them the attention that they deserve. So I hope you will join me next week. If you have any questions or comments about this episode or any episode you've seen, if you have questions about this show, if you have questions for me, send that stuff in. As you can see, I believe that when I have an interactive conversation with you as the audience, it's only a good thing for the podcast. And this is a very important topic. I'm glad that I hit it. It is a very difficult topic. And I appreciate you guys sticking with it till the end. As always, consent is king. Take very good care of each other. And I'll see you next week. Whew. Two and a half hours. And I got through one of their questions. One, two of their questions. It's rough stuff, guys. Morality's hard. Ethics are hard. Life is hard. <laughs>